Hi everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome to 2023. Boy, we're excited to have you in this new year, fresh new year, fresh January. It's hot, it is cold, it is raining, it is dry. It's a very confusing month already, but we are regardless excited. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you for an amazing 2022, an amazing 2021, an amazing half of 2020 where we began this journey of the Life Back podcast. So here in today, we want to thank you guys for um, taking initiative, you know, starting the year off. Many have made um, milestones in the previous year and many have set targets for this coming year. Others have set targets for their next five years and they're just using 2023 as a small tracking progress. I mean, if you're already in 2020, 2027, 2028, salute to you. And then also those who are still thinking about how 2022, 2023 is going to go and you want Wondering, you're already scared, you feel the violence around is probably too much, and there's commotion, there's problems on every side of the world and in your life. And things seem like they're really upside down already, and the year has just begun. I want to take time and just thank you for sticking right there. That's exactly where you need to be. And God wants you to hold on still. The winds and the waves are only for a moment. However, if you're having it all going good and God is already doing good and marvelous things for you, salute to you too as well. And I want to uh, to say thank you guys for... Um, for keeping track um, interactions we have with a few of our listeners uh, they're, they're, they're quite encouraging to keep going and to keep doing what we have to do and uh, we have a long journey ahead of us and we just want to say thank you thank you thank you for everything i mean there are people who will probably never listen from we may never have them here we may never even get to see them face to face but they are blessed in one way or another and i want to thank um especially those who have given time to follow the themes we've been following via the books i mean you're putting into practice everything that we're doing and saying and you are making progress and you're seeing some results and well there's also you who is just basically listening let's check this thing out and see what it's like or you're just gaining more knowledge and a lot of head knowledge and a lot of things and you you're growing more in age but not really mature we want to thank you for participating one day, one way, and in one language, and in one time and season, your moment will be seized, and we pray that you will set off in life. So with that brief welcome and ushering into 2023, I want to open our discussion, I want to open our year, I want to open us up to a whole new level. We stopped at, um, I remember we had just recently begun the book, The Richest Man in Babylon. I mean, guys, think about it. Without money, without wealth, I'm talking about wealth, not riches, but about wealth. It's not just in terms of money could be assets, gold. I mean, the people too, talking about wealth in terms of, of of nations and lands and kingdoms and all you have is money. Anyway, we're talking about wealth and as long as you do not have wealth, you don't have money, it's going to be hard for you to create the kind of impact you have to create. And frankly speaking, the people who are lacking the wisdom to use the money that they have. And then there are those who are only wisdom away from 
their next breakthrough into doing what they have to do on this earth. And um, this tracks us back to the book we did, Ikigai, you know, trying to figure out, or not figuring out, but trying to blend into the part that you have to play in this sphere of life altogether. And we all came to the conclusion that we do have a part to play. We all have a specific role. There's something special about each and every one of us. I mean, you're not just existing for the mere convenience. Like you're just an extra number in the population. It, it doesn't feel quite enough. I mean, if you're comfortable where you're at and you just feel, I'm really fine where I am. I'm making no impact to the world. I'm not taking away and I'm not subtracting. I'm just existing in the mere balance. Shout out to you, but you are not making the best of what God has put you here to be. And uh, for people who made up their minds to make amends of what they have lost in the previous years of their lives to try to catch up to what exactly God has put them here to do. And uh, we, we, we have, we've had a journey together from the book Ikigai. And then we went straight into how ideas rule the world. Man, amazing, amazing books. And why are we going through books? It's because in books there is knowledge, right? Which knowledge comes from an understanding that the wise men that write these books or women have that why should we why should we keep doing life and knocking walls to learn from mistakes why should we learn from hard knocks when knowledge is literally everywhere so that's what brings us or what brought us into the richest man in babylon the title in itself is intriguing enough for you to ask yourself one question what really brought this man to the level of being the richest man in babylon why babylon and what is it about the richest man in Babylon? I mean, by the by, the mere sound of the title, it gets you into understanding that there should be a book about, uh, you know, it's not really about how to get rich and how to get this. It's basically and most importantly about the disciplines involved in wealth. How the wealth, or how the wealthiest men of the olden days of Babylon thought. Because if you can track someone's mindset, that is the ultimate secret or path to their wealth. So we are not just going to focus on how wealthy a man looks or how great their life seems or how beautiful the woman looks, how beautiful her family is, how beautiful her car is, her house, her everything. We're not going to go into all that because it's quite obvious. And it's also obvious that it's not always the people who have these things that really understand the path. I mean, the people who are living in generation wealth. They did, not, they did not work for the world. They don't understand the patterns of not only acquiring, but keeping, and not only keeping, but also growing the wealth that they have. So that brings us to our conclusive adjustment as to why we are doing the books that we're doing, why we are reading the books that we're reading, why are we investing in these books, why, what is it about the books that we don't understand is it? And that, and thereby brings us into this book, the richest man in Babylon. So this is a book by uh, Clayson, and uh, Ian Clayson has well been known a lot for writing books and patterning them according to the olden fables and tales and wisdoms of old through storytelling that kind of brings out the picture of the story and what his point really is. So what we're going to discuss today is basically what exactly was it about this book? 
I remember we had a brief introduction of the book the year before and that's where we kicked off right we stopped at the introduction and today we are going to start from chapter 1 chapter 2 into chapter 3 into a number of the chapters down the road as we go and we shall discover a lot a lot a lot a lot I'm extremely excited about what we're going to be learning so the summary was given in our latest episode about how this book is generally focused on those who want to be wealthy or probably looking up to it wisdom is the mother of all invention that's a very 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 common saying and also invention is the mother of all provision you know without a specific kind of wisdom they will not be inventions without invention they will not be provisions and it's these provisions that make our lives quite easy they make our lives quite uh accommodable they make life worth living you know we read this book ideas rule the world and you come to the discovery that actually people are made by the ideas that they have ideas are what make people who they really are and we talked about this in the perspective of ideas being viewed as brain children in a way if i should say and someone's brain children is their ideas the ideas that people have are or that idea you have is your brain child so if you do not have a brain child you are in one way or another brain dead if i must say i mean how do you not have an idea to do something in this world how do you have an how do you not have an idea of anything like you you just want to be used to do everything you have a slave mentality it's all about what can i do for you you know and even when i give you what to do for me you cannot make an idea to help me do what i was doing even better it's basically give or take you know and with that mindset of ideas rule the world that is exactly where we are right now and as far as we're concerned the babylonian system is still at function today because that is where the wisdom was picked you call it the babylonian system but it rules by the power of the mind how you make people think someone probably you want to keep them out of a certain liberty give them a certain form of liberty but in actual sense it's slavery you're trapped in this job 9 to 5 or a 9 to 8 or 9 to 9 kind of job and you're working your head up and down every single day you're working hard and yes we see you're making the input but are you really free because you have a salary or you have a paycheck that comes at the end of the month or are you really free because of how you think employment and employment all together all these things shouldn't be at the end of the day your goal for you to be employed for the rest of your days i mean you should think about how is it going to be for the next 10 years how about if i just stepped out and did something that was really in my heart where would that lead me and of course the biggest worry is the system the babylonian system has been set up to make you think that you cannot exist outside it you want to think about starting your own business or your own your heart's passion is really burning on the inside you know just for example or maybe you want to be a i don't know a, 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 whatever it is that you want to be and you're finding it hard to step out of that boat because you feel you're too safe the babylonian system secretly was formulated for you to gain a certain comfort that will forever keep you from doing 
as much as you have to do to your fullest potential. So you're going to ask yourself, okay, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. Then what? Well, will I get money for rent? Well, will I get money for this? Well, will I get money for that? That and that and that. And then at the end of the day, you find yourself fitting into a system, not entirely to satisfy your true passion, but to satisfy the needs which will forever exist. And so because we feel we have needs of the basics, we then tend to incline ourselves to what the system can provide. And all it can say, you can work between nine and five. And at the end of the nine and five, at the end of the month, or at the end of the week, depending on which salary uh, jurisdictions work wherever you are, this is as much as you can get. But in actual sense, someone is putting a figure of limitation to what you are in position to do, for a time being anyway. And that's not entirely what's in your heart, but it's what you can afford to do to give you what you need to satisfy the needs that you think you have. And well, guess what? You thought one million was enough? Oh no, it's not. And they shift you to two million. And guess what? You enter a new lifestyle, you enter new provisions. You have more expenses and two million is no longer enough and you go and seek for three million and you want more. It's always about how much more can I get to satisfy the needs of the luxury that I create around me, regardless of what exactly is in my heart as a passion to fulfill. Not everybody, not many people are actually living to the fullest of their lives. Now, wealth, on the other hand, is a mindset. It's not money. And as we discussed in the beginning, it's all about the disciplines you have concerning wealth. To whom much is given much is required. Did you know that in the scriptures, when Jesus is talking about finances, he's talking about finances as the least use of your faith. Now, one day he spoke to that young man who asked him, Lord, I have done everything. I have fulfilled the law. I have done my duties. Um, I, he gave the whole account of my goodness. He gave everything he felt he could give to qualify him as the best candidate to be on Jesus' team. And guess what Jesus said? He said, you know what? You go sell everything you have and come and follow me. Why did Jesus start with that? Because the money that we think we have represents a certain form or sort of value. And that value is what creates what we call our lifestyle. Now, people are not willing to let go of their lifestyle because of the value they place on it. It's really not about the money. The money is just what maintains the lifestyle. But we want a certain lifestyle. And Jesus is asking this young man, give up that lifestyle for my lifestyle. And he says, no. He turns away. He was actually saddened that they asked him to give away the biggest part. To him, his money was the biggest part of him. But to Jesus, that was the beginning point. If you can give up that which you think is necessary to keep you in a system, then you begin to live. No wonder he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these others. Now this guy had attained all these others and he was seeking the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells him, no, seek first, then these others will be given unto you. In other words, those you've come with, I don't need them. It's 
sell them and give them off and come. So when we're talking about money, it is the least use of your faith. Now think about it for a moment. If you have made prayers and prayed and prayed and broken and done all these kinds of gymnastics, spiritually speaking, and you're not seeing results, it's probably because you're not faithful. That's just simple. If you're not faithful with God when it comes to your money, then you're not faithful when it comes to any other form of prayer. You can't pray and believe God to heal a sick brother or sister or parent of yours if you can't trust God with the money that you have. Because this money is is a form of system that locks us. However, it's still money that drives ministry, but it's not all about money. So, before we go into all the details of the richest man in Babylon, for someone that is thinking about, oh man, this is about money, this is about money getting rich and wealthy and what? No, 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 I'm sorry for disappointing you. It is all about that to a degree, but as Christians, we need to have the right perspective of what we are discussing and why. To what degree is it going to edify us? Therefore, this is what we're talking about. In reference to the book we, we did about how ideas rule the world, we saw how ideas are the very form of provision. In Egypt, the Bible says, when the new ruler comes through after the death of Joseph, the Bible says, a ruler that did not know Joseph comes through. And he takes, this guy is the reason as to why the children of Israel are going to slavery for such a long time. But he cut off the provisions they had. You know? He had an idea. These Jews don't really know who they are. Because they had grown in number, they had grown in wealth. I mean, they were wealthier than the inhabitants of the land. And this guy comes and says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep them locked in. But we're not going to tell them that it is because of who they are. Because they don't know who they are. So the point and the question in in, in context here is, who are you? God says in the the Bible, the book of, uh, I, I believe it's Romans. I forget the chapter. You have been given all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness. In fact, he says, you have need of nothing. When he was sending his disciples out into the world, he says, go. You don't need anything else. All you need is my word. The word will make provision for you. So with this belief system is where we want to start from. We're going to have this discussion because we are wealthy by God. And we want to understand how to manifest the wealth that God has given to us by spiritual perspective into the physical. It doesn't make sense for you to proclaim and have, or you know, to affirm that you have wealth that will never amount to anything physically. Like every every time you are given opportunity to manifest this wealth, you have excuses. I know it's not the right time. The time is coming. God's time. God's timing is all. He says now in Ephesians 4, actually Hebrews 4, he says now if they will, now is the day. Now, not tomorrow. You know, so you must have the ability and power to translate what you've been given spiritually by God into this physical world. And it takes form 
for you to influence and impact the world that like it must be impacted no ideas no provision it's that simple if you don't have any idea there's no provision i remember we discussed this book in the beginning and i remember we talked about a man called arkad arkad is the man in context the richest man in babylon arkad but according to arkad the principles that govern wisdom start with one concept action it's not wisdom if you're not doing it it's merely being puffed up or the guy that knows a lot but but has nothing to show for it It's not enough to say what you know. It's enough for you to do what you know. Arkad grew to become the wealthiest man in Babylon because of the wisdom he received while a young man. So there's a lot of patterns in this book. The book begins with a discussion between two friends. And these guys are discussing about how exactly their lives are. They see they're not satisfied with the kind of life they're living. And so they seek to go to their friend called Arkad. And Arkad is known for being the wealthiest man in Babylon. And so they ask themselves, what is it that we have not done? I mean, we even went to school with this guy, but how be it that this guy is wealthier than us? What is he doing that we're not doing? and they realized that because their time was coming up and they were growing up and, and 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 a lot of demands were coming on and they were seeing a certain level of dissatisfaction in their lives and that shows us pattern for you to grow into the person you must be by god wealth in this case you know you must have a certain dissatisfaction you must be dis- there's such a thing as a holy dissatisfaction that comes upon you because of where you are and you just makes you feel like man I'm tired of being I am sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired I want I want more it's not a last of sort but it's you, you just feel there's much more to you than what you are really bringing out of you at the moment and so the demand is placed upon you and it's the automatic push that keeps you going in Psalms chapter 34 Four, 34 37 37 verses 4 it says delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart in other words without delighting yourself in the lord there is no desires to fulfill if there are desires the highest chances stand that those desires may not be of god and we know how dangerous that is because there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof is death So it is better for you to have a desire to become wealthy to manifest the wealth which God has de- declared upon you said well, I've spoken upon your blessing Deuteronomy 28 you know I'll bless you in the fields you're blessed in the city you're blessed in the fields you're blessed coming in blessed coming out all nations shall look upon thee and they shall fear thee they shall have reverence for you because they know and see your god is not just a god in speech but he is a god in action they will see the wealth and the inheritance that i promised your fathers abraham and it will be shown in you and that is a, you know just thinking about how wealthy abraham is is enough to give you the creeps of how god can be with a certain person 
So it is possible to manifest a certain level of wealth, but it comes with responsibility. We are not wealthy, we, are not, we do not want to become wealthy because we must prove a point to the world that we won. No, but we have a responsibility. By virtue and by nature of being Christians, our nature is to increase. Our nature is to go from glory to glory. It should dissatisfy you that last year you didn't achieve certain goals. And you must be a burden on you this year to achieve bigger than what you thought you did last year. If you had nothing to achieve, then you need to start thinking real hard. Now, Akkad is approached by these two friends and they have, there's a lot of wisdom around there. These two guys were thinking, what shall we do? We want more money. We want more status. We want to enjoy our lives and we see the richest men. Principle number one, in you there is something that you do not know and in someone else is something that you yourself don't know. So why go beat around the bush that you can go to someone who has achieved what you might probably be looking up to and just ask them how they did it? It's that simple. Did you know that humility is a matter of the heart as much as pride is? For you to reject what someone has, for you to just simply ask, is pride. And to just say, no, I mean, what? I am a man. He's a man. I'm a woman. She's a woman. What does she have that I don't have? Why? I mean, if they can do it, I can do it. But the question is, how do they do it? To you, it's all about, oh, I want... You know, it's not enough to just wishfully think that you want to... To wishfully want to be rich, it's not enough to be to wish that you are wealthy. It's enough to be determined, to want to be wealthy, to love to be wealthy, because it's not about having more in your account or in your possessions, but it's about having enough to sustain the kingdom of God here on earth. So... This is proof that it's upon wisdom that a house is built. Understanding comes with putting into action that wisdom and knowledge that is in the things that you're able to add to yourself outwardly as a means of access. Knowledge is what gives you access to wealth. Wisdom is what initiates the nature of wealth. Understanding is the funnel that shifts wisdom from its nature which is already in you and brings it to the without by knowledge because you know something is the reason you can access it someone said what i don't know won't kill me but well that's exactly what's killing you what you don't know is exactly what is killing you it's funny because the things that we do not know are the things that are actually causing death we don't know the principles and patterns of wealth. But you're going to wake up and you have inherited an estate and you don't even know the principles of running one. And you know what the Bible says about that? You are a novice at that point. And actually, Paul was explaining these things, I believe, to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians. And he says, when a king is still young, the kingdom is run by other elders, instructors, and people who have the maturity to keep it going. Until the king is of age, that kingdom is for those rulers and instructors to run, not his. So if you never come up to maturity to understand the responsibility of wealth, you're not going to have to, you're not going to see it, you won't even smell it. 
you'll only see it on YouTube channels, probably, if you're lucky to have the data anyway. Now, the richest man in Babylon has a number of things that he highlighted for these friends of his. And I remember the same patterns of wisdom are what grew the Babylonian system to become as strong as it was. Because this kind of story brought to the attention of the king. The king was asking himself, how be it that a lot of my people in the kingdom are poor? What is happening? Where is everything? Where is all the money going? And he was advised, oh, by the way, if you didn't know, there's a wealthy, wealthy man called Arkad. The money is going into the rich, the rich people, and it's making them even richer and wealthier, while the poor become poorer and poorer. And so he tasked his servants to go seek Arkad. So Arkad comes along the next day, and they ask Arkad. The king asks, well, how is it that you're wealthy? How is it that you're wealthier than many of these people? I mean, apart from me, the king, of course, but why are you, why is there an imbalance of resources? And he said, these people don't understand the principles. And so the king humbles himself to ask Arkad, will you teach my people these principles, these lessons, this wisdom that you attained to get you where you are? And Arkad answered in humility and said, it is my honor and it will be my humble honor to do this as service to the king. And so they set pace and started. And as I discussed in brief the first time in introduction, we said step number one that Akkad puts across, number one simply is you must grow your purse. They call it the purse, like a money purse, of course, you know. You must grow it. How? Every tenth of what you earn is yours to keep. And that's right. As much as every 10% as well is for the Lord, as in tithe. So we tithe to the Lord, which is great. And then we also have a part and portion for ourselves. The money you earn, your salary is not all yours. Because number one, you're going to feed, you're going to pay bills, you're going to pay for transport. You're going to, maybe you're driving and you have fuel costs to incur. Maybe you have, uh, I don't know, whatever it is you use to transport from one place to another. All the money you have, if it's all going into eating, drinking and all that said, you are not rich. You're just highly paid. And there's a very big difference. Pay yourself first because what you have to yourself is what is truly yours. So what is it that Arkad was trying to say? To this end, they were trying to say that, according to the Babylonian system anyway, that one-tenth, a tenth of everything they earn is theirs to keep. That's the pattern he followed as well. That's the wisdom Algamish gave him, if you followed the, read the book before. And next step, number one, Number one, as I've said, a tenth of everything you make is yours to keep. Keep that in mind. Find an account. I think let's start with that. Find something. Find something to do with your money. Put something aside for yourself. For yourself. And I'll be honest with you, this is not something that I was doing in many years ago. I've, of course, I was just eating the money and enjoying it. But when I came to the understanding of the wisdom in this book, a long time ago, I determined I will begin this wisdom. 
And sure enough, as Akkad said in the beginning when he was being given wisdom by Algamish, Algamish tells him that for you to grow your money back, it feels good when you touch it and it feels heavy, right? You know, after this long time, maybe you've been putting aside money for about one year or two. And it's not money you touch, no? You just put it aside because that's something you're planning for the future. It feels good when you touch that money and it feels you open your bank account and you see a few millions. It feels good, it makes you feel like, hmm, it's not much, but it is something. You know, it's not a lot, but at least I left zero. I used to be at zero, I'd eat all the money. But at the end of the day, you find you have a certain sense of pride and joy. It begins to kick in. And you begin to realize how exciting it is to see that you're actually having something to yourself. And as much as you try, you will try as much as possible to limit what you spend in order to increase the weight of that purse. That's the second trick. Number one, pay yourself. A part of what you earn is yours to keep to eat. If you eat the seed, there will not be enough for you to eat the food. Two, control your expenditures. Ali, you can spend all you want. And I remember these two friends were discussing prior and saying, how be it that Arkad is such a wealthy man and he has all that money to himself. And one of the friends said to himself, one day it has ever crossed my mind I should just go and rob him cut him across in the night and just rob him and his friend was like oh that would do nothing to our cat he has enough money and income generating streams to keep money coming in even when he spends as much how be it that someone spends this much and still has enough left over because it's not about what remains it's about the source of what keeps it flowing now, that's another thing. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But number two, control the expenditures. A budget, ladies and gentlemen, Christians as well. A budget is not there to limit you. A budget is there to help you exercise some self-control for crying out loud. It's not a demonic instrument. No, businesses use budgets as mandatory experiments or items. Governments function on budgets. It's not bad to have a budget. A budget is necessary only to the end that it helps you control your expenditure. You get to realize that actually I spend more than I need to spend. And if I had a degree or measure that helps me understand that this is not necessary for me to buy, I do not need to... Just think about it for a moment. Why would you buy? How many beds? How? How? I have a lot of questions, honestly. How comfortable do you need to sleep in a bed? How do you really, really need a bed that costs five? Or I don't know, I'm going to speak in terms of Uganda shillings. Forgive me if, if you don't relate, but if why, what, what's the point in sleeping in a five million bed and sleeping in a 500,000 shillings bed or 700,000 or 800 or even 350,000? Is it necessary for you to sleep and spend five million on one bed? Is it necessary? How big a stream a screen do you need to have to watch a soccer match? How does it how big does it have to be for you to watch a boy or a guy kick a ball from his hands to the other end? I mean if you can watch a match on your phone, what 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 what's the what's the point? And some people say I have the money, okay, 
But for one who wants to understand the responsibility of wealth, it's, it's really not necessary. Buy a normal screen, not too big, not too small, it's just enough. It's just enough. I mean, how many, how many rooms do you have to have in such a big house for you to sleep? You're not going to sleep in all five or ten rooms at the same time. You don't need it. So a budget sometimes helps people to control their lust. The Bible says in the book of James that they ask and receive not because they ask amiss. They ask that they might consume it on their own lust. It's all about, I'm lusting after Kim Kardashian's lifestyle. I want to be in the lifestyle of so-and-so as an artist or a celebrity. And you are living on borrowed prosperity. It's not even yours, it's not who you are, but you just want to imitate a false image. So a budget, it's not bad, honestly. Honestly, a budget will help you control, to help you maintain some discipline, especially for number one. A budget will help you realize, I need to put more. I mean, if you've come to the place that this weight of your purse or your account that you've been saving into for a number of times and years now feels excitingly proud, it makes you feel so proud and, and, and confident in yourself and you, and you say to yourself, mm, I think I need to increase how much I'm, how, how much I'm saving or paying myself. You know, and that means you're going to have to cut your budget. I mean, you look through everything you have to. Some people really eat not what they need. They eat what they want anytime. They eat anything anywhere, anyhow. I mean, you can eat anything anyhow, but eat it in a controllable manner. It's not necessary to eat the whole day, the whole week, the whole month, the whole year. It's all about enjoyment to enjoyment. You're always from party to party, vacation to vacation, place to place. And it's amazing, it might be your passion to travel. But anyway, we all have different goals. I don't want to get into all that. But my point here as I bring this to a close, our first discussion about this book is mostly about this first two, and that's what we're going to stop at today. Number one, increasing your purse is going to require you to pay yourself. Even Jesus said it, you cannot give what you don't have. What are you going to give to the world if you have not sown any seed for it? Number two, if you want to increase the level and size of that which you must give, you must be willing to cut off some expenses. It's okay to sacrifice a few things. It's very okay. You don't need everything. So with that being said, I want, I want to wish and hope that for step number one, today must be the first place for you to do. Just as it makes me proud to look into my accounts and whatever it is I have for, to show for it, it makes me feel like, yeah, I've come a long way and it's not so long really, but it feels good. It feels good to be where I am right now. You know, you have some money aside and, and, and it's not even about the money. It's the discipline. You're learning. It's exciting to see that you're on a journey to manifest what is already in you because it comes by reason of discipline. And so I want to implore you, if you've not been doing this, I'm not asking you to try it. This is not for tryouts. This is for doers. You need to do it and you need to believe it. If you truly believe that you are called to be wealthy in this world, to impact the world with your wealth through money, then this is yours to take. This is yours to listen. 
this is yours to understand that there is a responsibility beyond yourself and you need to understand sometimes it's just the laws and principles and patterns that make things easy and that's the problem not everybody understands the system that brings the tree up to what it looks like we're interested in the fruit we don't even care what the branches look like we want the fruit but if you took time to study the roots the tree has a long root system and it's so grounded when the rain comes when the sun comes everything finds it and leaves it firm but again we're not going to focus on what's underneath we're going to focus on the fruit i want to be the one whose fruit they look at and at the end of the day they answer they ask these fruits look too big for this tree what exactly is underneath that tree what kind of roots does it have and it will be amazing i want to have an answer for all those i want to have answers and understanding i want to give people true patterns not tricks and say oh you know you have to rub this and do that you have to trick your way through this and that you know i want to give them a pattern and tell them you know what it's not a mystery this is simply a discipline of wisdom for anybody that will abide it will work I hope you've been blessed and I hope you're going to bless someone else by sharing this link with them. I don't care what they've gone through, how bad they've had it. It's okay to restart and go back to the beginning. I love something about Donald Trump. When Donald Trump lost everything in one point of time, he gained back everything at another later on a few years down the road. A strong man is not seen by how much strength he has physically. He's seen by how quickly he gets back up, if he does anyway. Some people fall and never rise, yet they looked strong. There was no strength to them. There was no true strength to them in the beginning. But you need to be the kind of person that even if you lost it all, it's okay. It's okay to go back. It's humility. Don't take it personal. It's okay to go back and click restart and say this is where we started from. You can never steal anything from any man. who understands patterns because if he knows if you take it he knows how to get it and he knows how to get even more of it now that's a real man that's a fighter and that's a christian because diligence is what's going to make us stand before kings kings are seeking wisdom not money they have the wealth we've lived through wealth all their lives they've probably been given wealth down generations to generations and they are asking and seeking for wisdom be and choose the one that gives the wisdom thank you for listening i cannot wait to have you guys again for now